goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. Hi, everyone. Welcome, Fiona Brown, to today's Data Transformers podcast. I'm so happy to have you on, Fiona. Uh, you are the head of AI at Data Actics. And what, what really struck me, Fiona, was the fact that there is an actual, you know, there's women in the, in, that can hold the title of head of artificial intelligence. And uh, we really look to highlight and really want to profile a uh, woman of your caliber. Um, can you first talk to us, Fiona, about how you even got started in this journey of AI? Where, as a child, did you know this is something that you wanted to do? How did you get into this field? Um, well, well thank, thank you very much, Peggy, for the, the introduction. And um, also thanks, um, Ramesh and, and Peggy, for uh, inviting me on to, to your podcast um, today. Um, I'm very excited uh, about this and um, to maybe give a bit of a, a background uh, until, uh, to, to how um, I got to Detactics and, and my journey there. Um, I think what I would say at, at the outset is that it wasn't a linear journey. <laughs> it was more uh, a little zigzag um, approach to, to to where we got uh, today. But I suppose it all it all started back um, uh, whenever I was about um, 15, 16. And um, Peggy, and you asked about, you know, as as a child, um, were were you interested in in AI and machine learning? Um, I don't think that was even on on the radar at at that stage. Um, I suppose I'm I'm showing my 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 age um, uh, <laughs> at present. Um, but yeah, it started back whenever I was about fifteen and sixteen, and uh, I was deciding what um, GCSEs to take. So I, I'm not too sure how that maps to to the US, but. In the UK here, uh, we do GCSEs and A-levels before we, we, we go on to, to university. Mm -hmm. And at that stage, I had an option of doing history or I had an option of doing this relatively new computing um, GCSE. And um, I, I, I talked to a few people and um, I, I made a decision, do you know what, I'm going to try um, computing. Uh, it seems to be an, an up and coming um, subject. And, and from that, I, I, I did the GCSE, absolutely loved computing and mathematics and how the two blended together and, um, and then ended up doing it for uh, my, my A-levels as, as well. And then that brought me into um, a, a degree then in, in computing. Uh, but what I'd like to highlight there as well is that um, I, I came from an, an all-female school. So both my primary and secondary education uh, were, were in an all-female schools. And um, I had a 
brilliant um, computing teacher called Mrs. Coyle, who knew her area inside out and back to front and um, really give us the confidence as, as a class to, to excel uh, within computing. And um, it never once crossed our minds that we're females and um, this is uh, quite a, a male-dominated subject. It just never, it never came into our, our, conscious, our conscious state. And, um, and then from that, uh, we, all, we all did well as a class uh, within the computing subject. Uh, we were covering things like programming and databases and networks and so on. And I just fascinated by by the area, and um, it was it was a no brainer then to to go on and and do computing at um, at, at at degree level. Mm-hmm. So way back in two thousand, um, I, I embarked on a computer science degree at at Ulster University. And um, yeah, that was that was that was a, a bit of a, an, an awakening and a bit of a, a shock to the system coming from an, an all female school. So it was but, a co-ed university. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was it was going from yeah from from an all female school for, for like being in education for eighteen years to to essentially uh, a, a very male dominated. <laughs> class so um there was probably maybe 10 to 20 percent of the class who were who were female um undertaking computer science but I don't think we really batted an island we just sort of got on with it and um it was it was such a good course because we went into much more depth and areas in terms of algorithmic programming and um, software development and and testing and human computer interaction. It was, you know, really broad and varied, and um, we got to focus on on areas that we were that we were interested in. Hmm. And um, sorry, I'll let you. If there's any questions, to to chip in. So it's a very interesting um, way of deciding between history and computer science. So this is probably you're the first person um, that I came across uh, that has said, I have to either take history or computer science, but I chose computer science. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Yeah. So then you went to Ulster, you got your computer science degree. Did you do a PhD right after your degree or did you wait for some time? No, so um, I, I actually got to um, un- undertake a, a placement uh, whenever I was at Ulster and uh, I got to work for a year in Intel, which is just based outside of, of Dublin in, in Ireland. Actually, I have and to interject. I worked at Intel, so I know. Oh, yeah, from colleagues. Yeah, so, so yeah, Ramesh, you'll, you'll know that it, it is it's such a great place to, yeah. to work in. Okay. Um, in, in Intel and I think as like a 19, 20 year old getting to work in this really large multinational company and um, you worked on real projects and you were an, a, an integral part of, of the team. It was just a phenomenal experience um, to be able to to work there and um, I worked in in a place called Flex Services and it mm-hmm. was uh, like an internal consultancy within um, within Intel so uh, so yeah we were exposed to um, you know like uh, like the, the the whole world as such so um, a lot of our clients were um, 
uh, intel, but from different countries and so mm. on. And um, you got great exposure in terms of working with diverse teams and really interesting projects that we were working on um, through to, I think what what the key learning from from Intel was, um, it was honing your, your soft skills. So within education, you focus on a problem and, and solving that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but within Intel, what was really highlighted there was, okay, you need to be able to work as part of a team. You need to be able to communicate. Uh, you know, you need to be able to work to, to deadlines and um, to, to focus on priorities and so on. So as, as, as a young person going in and being exposed to that, I just think that was just phenomenal learning within that, that, that year and, um, and, and also being exposed to the uh, diversity of, of, of IT roles mm-hmm. um, available as well. So it was, it was a great, it was a great placement. So, I mean, it sounded like you had such wonderful training as as a young girl, I mean, in university and in Intel, it taught you the all the the skills rest to be a really well-rounded um, data data scientist. And um, but can you talk about any challenges that you had or um, anything that you had to that you overcame as, as a hurdle? Um, that might have surprised you, or that you're, you're um, that that you're you're proud of being able to um, overcome. Yeah. Um, so I suppose some some challenges, which I suppose were completely out of um, out of my my control. So uh, so I graduated in in two thousand and four, and that was just at um, at the end of the dot com bubble. Mm-hmm. So the dot com bubble burst, and um, and we graduated out into you know in, into into a, a sector which was essentially licking licking their wounds um, from the the inflation of the of the IT bubble. So um, I think that was our our first challenge uh, in terms of you know. Even having good skills and and good experience, um, it was a, it was a tougher environment to 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 get a job mm-hmm. um, in. And uh, I w- I was very lucky that um, I I got a job as as a web developer whenever I I graduated, um, and this was like the polar opposite of 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 Intel. It was <laughs> a tiny company. There was less than ten people in the company, and. Um, I don't view this as as a challenge. I view this as um, as, as as a real um, positive. It was a very small company, um, but in terms of gaining skills, the amount of skills that that you can obtain in in a small company is 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 massive as as well. Um, unlike Intel, we didn't have somebody who looked after servers or somebody who looked after, you know, liaising with with clients. Um, within a small company, you basically have to get stuck in at the deep end and and do it all, and and that's that's a great learning experience. Um, so my my first day, I I landed um, within the company. So it's a place called Design by Front. Um, I was told to okay, construct your own computer here. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, construct your like, own computer. Yeah, so it was literally. 
<laughs> so it was literally here's the motherboard and you know you, you basically build build your your, your computer uh, uh, around that um whereas in in a larger corporation whenever you're being onboarded all of that's done done for you but for you. uh yeah so uh, so so you do get um a, a different learning um op- opportunity opportunity there um and i suppose probably the again not not necessarily a challenge but probably one of the the hardest things that that i ever did was um was firstly making the decision to to leave industry and and go back into academia and and, and undertake a, a phd mm. So my PhD was in um, it was computer science uh, in in Ulster University and it was in the area of um, bioinformatics. So this is sort of my first taste of using um, statistical and machine learning models to make predictions. And um, we were making predictions on um, protein protein interactions. Mm-hmm. So, um, so proteins are like the the building blocks of 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 your body, and whenever these interactions between proteins go wrong, um, that can lead to um, disease and so on. So, it's a really interesting area to to look into, and um, and and the challenges that we we had in in this wasn't necessarily with the the models that we were building the challenges we had were around the the data that was Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. so you have all these um high throughput experimental um approaches like um assays and so on which are fantastic um and 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 giving you information about genes and their expression and so on but they're often, um, they've got a high rate of um, false positives, false negatives. They're, they're, they're messy, they're large in size. Um, so that, that, I suppose, was the real challenging part of the, of the PhD. Um, and again, I was so lucky to have fantastic um, mentors um, on my PhD. So my supervisors were Francisco Azwaje, who's currently the um, Associate Director of Data Science at, at, at UCB. And um, Professor... I'm sorry, uh, UCB, uh, which one is that? UCB, it's, 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 a, it's a global biopharma company in, in, in Belgium. Ah, okay. And um, I and uh, Professor Jane Tsang and Haiying Wang uh, were were my other um, uh, PhD supervisors, and I'm forever grateful for them because what what they did was um, they instilled rigor and scientific discipline um, into me from a, a very early stage within within the PhD project. And it's this rigor and, and discipline that's um, basically stayed with me uh, throughout the, the rest the rest of um, my career. And it really opened my eyes to the, you know, the absolute importance of being very skeptical about the data that, that you have um, and, and rigorously testing um, your, your processes and, and looking at that from a um a statistical standpoint as as well so um i may not have initially thought it whenever i would have come with my nice results and i was getting you know for example very high accuracy Mm -hmm. results 
and you know my supervisors were like okay that's accuracy you know what about your precision recall results what's that look like and I come back with these results and like, mm, okay, well, um, what's happening at uh, each fold of the, the cross-validation that you're running? And I'm like, oh, really? Do I have to really go back and do this? Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the answer was yes. And, um, and, the, and that's sort of the same um, uh, sort of level of, of, of detail, which, which, which I carry through now and, um, and ask of my, my current team. So I'm sure they curse me up and down, but, um, <laughs> but I think it's, it's, it's that rigor that, that, that you need because there are, there are lots of things that can go wrong and it's, it's, it's really important to, to take your time and to, and to be careful and, um, you know, to have a, a healthy dose of skepticism <laughs> whenever it comes to, um, machine learning and, and interpretation Definitely. of, of results. So on this journey, um, so Fiona, how did you end up at Datactics? That's one. Or did you stop somewhere else before you ended up at uh, Datactics? Yeah, so I, I had um, a, a, another foray into um, industry <laughs> again. So uh, I, I was hired um, as, a, as a software developer at um, a, a company called Path Excel. Mm. And this is straight after my my PhD, and it it fitted really well because this was a spin-out company from Queen's University, and their focus was on virtual microscopy. So it had that biological background and yeah. um, a proper you know software engineering focus as well. So um, essentially, we developed software uh, for uh, like an, an online microscope. Um, and being able to to view and um, subsequently analyze um, microscopy images, so mm. it was it was super super um, interesting work that that we were doing there and um, a, a very hard slant on the the software engineering side and again being able to skill up in in that um, area uh, again being introduced to industry programming practices as as well so like things like how to test your software and um through to how to to manage a, a software development project and 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 different principles um along that so so that and did was, you bring your the the data rigor that you learned in your phd to okay. the industry <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's do you know what that that that's something that will continually um follow me in a little suitcase wherever i go um it's just whatever you build uh the most important thing is having your your data uh in 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 order otherwise anything else you do on top of that um is, is potentially meaningless. So I'm assuming that uh, you didn't have to build a computer in this company. No, they're <laughs> really nice. We're, 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 we're on a couple of years now, so <laughs> we didn't have to worry worry about that. And um, and because like the data that we were handling there, like these images were massive. Um, so you're talking like a cytology smear being maybe 25 gigs in size. Most of our work was done on, on servers anyway. So, um, so it was it was it was really interesting, and actually this is where um, I met uh, uh, another mentor and another per important person in 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 my career life, um, Stuart Harvey, mm -hmm. who um, headed up Path Excel, 
at at that time and um you know Stuart I think took a risk on me because here I was coming out of um a, a PhD um in in the bioinformatics um area uh, I had some coding uh, experience and he actually hired me as a software developer in in C sharp and I'd literally only dabbled in that but he's very good at spotting the potential in 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 people and um and and in people curation is, is what I call it uh so so yeah he he, he gave me a, a chance um at at this and he was right you know within a couple of months yeah. I could pick up another another language you know <laughs> that's cool that's very nice so and then afterwards the data tactics or anything else happened well, afterwards, it was um, uh, back into uh, academia for mm. a bit. So uh, I did a postdoc in um, Queens, and then I, I lectured then for five years in computer science at, at Ulster University. So I've just been able to bring my learnings and knowledge of um, industry practical implementation of um, software yeah. um, into into academia um, and then I also got to work with what I'd done in my PhD the whole area of um, handling data which is messy which is um, potentially conflicting um, and 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 how to how to handle that and how to integrate that uh, together for decision making purposes, uh, and uh, this uh, also then led to uh, our work in, in in networks as a way to integrate data together and to um, analyze and and view relationships. So, can you can talk? Yeah, Fiona, can you just share what um, things you talked about in academia about data? being messy and I mean can you dive a little bit deeper because um, I think in, in our podcast we we really try to highlight the, the importance of data here so I really find this quite quite fascinating to yeah, go so, no, no problem Peggy so yeah so with, within uh, academia uh, I worked in in different different sectors so worked with the bioinformatics sector and also in the, the aerospace sector. Mm. And I think what, <laughs> so you're thinking, okay, these are very, very different areas. How, how, how could you possibly work in, in, in both? Well, these areas um, share uh, a lot of similarities in terms of the, the underlying data that, that is used. So um, unfortunately, not all data is um, created uh, equal. So you could have sources of information, um, for example, within the within the bioinformatics domain, um, that people are using to to make decisions as to whether or not um, a, a gene therapy uh, or or a therapy is is good or 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 not. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're working with with data in that. Um, you know the the experimental outputs. Um, they they mightn't be perfect, uh, and you can have maybe another experimental output looking at a completely different area using a different approach, which conflicts with another data source that that you are using. Yet you need to use these data somehow and together. 
um, to make an informed decision and, um, and, 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 how, and how can you do that? So our areas really focused on, okay, you've got um, these large data sets. Um, they, they are messy in terms of um, false positives and, and false negatives. Um, and, and they are potentially conflicting with, with each other. Well, well, what can we do to, to help a decision maker here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were looking at things um, such as um, Bayesian networks to integrate these data together. Um, so what it was quite good at was is whenever you integrate um, data together and you have more than one source supporting um, a particular, for example, prediction or a particular outcome, then you can have more confidence that that's that you're on the the, the right road here. Mm-hmm. Um, through to um, using Dempster Schaefer's um, theorem, so that's where you can actually then model um, confidence and belief that you have with with your data as as well. So say you've got different data sources mm-hmm. and you know you've got a particular source, um, say, for example, uh, so you've got some sources, say, for example, are like journal um, sources and you know that they've gone through a rigorous peer review process. So, you know, you can have some confidence in the results that they have through to um, maybe a, a blog post <laughs> that yeah. is unverified and we're not too sure about this, but but yet it could it could contain some useful information or it could add some color and context to what we're trying to do. How do we integrate these all together? And um, yeah, there's different ways in terms of you know different discounting techniques and um, adding different beliefs and strengths and so on to to the sources that that we're that we're reviewing. And um, and I think this type of 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 work can be applied to to many different um, sectors. So I don't think there's any sector that's sort of free from <laughs> from the challenges uh, around around um, data in terms of its um, quality and um, accuracy and 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 so on. Mm. Uh, so with that uh, transitioning into the data side, Fiona. So what does Datactix do and what's your role at Datactix? Yeah. So um so Datactix, we specialize in in data quality and and, and matching at at scale. Uh, we're uh, a company based in, in Belfast and there's mm-hmm. about 50 plus of us and and, and growing. Uh, and we've got a presence also in, in Milan and in, in London. So our clients are uh, primarily in the banking, finance uh, and governmental sectors. And we help our clients um, with things like profiling their data, measuring the quality of their their data um, through to matching and duplication of their data. Um, And this is important for tasks such as um, onboarding clients, um, through to adhering to uh, to to to, to regu- regulatory um, uh, to to to, regu- to to regulations. Hmm. Um, and then I think um, one of the things that I, I was looking at tactics is it's it's about 
a self uh, discovery or self analytics, self service analytics. I mean, self service data quality. It looks like that is the big deal for data 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 actics. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose that's sort of our our, our unique position in that. Um, so we try to have. So we've got a self service data quality platform, and mm. it's uh, low to no code, and essentially it's it's putting the you know the data quality tools in the hands of the um, the you know the the, the subject um, experts, um, subject data ex- experts. Um, so it, it enables them, you know, to rapidly measure the quality of their data, um, to um, report and to to fix their their, their data then as as well all through uh, like quite an, an easy to use um, interface um, and also to be able to to build their own data quality rules and deploy those as as, as projects mm. and um, and then to, to, to view how, how their projects are, are are running so so yes yeah, so it's it's that idea of uh, low code no code and um, enabling um, the the people who are um, actually at the core face um, managing the data to be able to to use this type of functionality without having to have a, a software engineering background. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. And please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website, www.datatransformerspodcast.com for more episodes, blogs, and information on our speakers. Thank you.